for this uh, fellowship and this place to gather. God, most of all, we are grateful for you, Lord, and, and to to be able to come in this place and hear from you. God, to have your word minister to us and to fill us up with what you are. Lord, and this morning what we pray, God, is that uh, every heart would be prepared, God, to receive the things that you have for us, that your presence would uh, sow the seed, Lord, and that you would plant it in us, God, and that it would grow. God, that you would teach us the things that you want us to know from your word. God, and, and as you said, that your Holy Ghost would call them to remembrance. And we pray it and ask it in the righteous name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, go with me to Ezekiel 13. You know, it's funny. At, at work, we have an attendance policy. You have to be there every day. You have to be there on time. And uh, um, at church, you get congratulated for showing up late. At least I do. <laughs> I, I show up horrendously late, and it's like, man, thanks, brother. The pump in my hand, like, I'm <laughs> like, man, I was thinking, I'm, God, I'm running so late. Ah, and then I pull in the parking lot, and there's Greg getting out of his car. Yes, <laughs> I made it. Uh, uh, yep. Like, hey, we're running super late. That's okay. They're not going to start without me. So maybe they will. Yeah. Okay, so Ezekiel 13. You know, we've been talking about building the wall. And uh, you know, that was, really, uh, was a really precious service uh, last weekend. And I've just been thinking about it uh, throughout the week. And, uh, and I came across this, uh, this chapter and I thought this was a really, uh, just a really interesting word. So of course um, Ezekiel 13. This this would be prior to Nehemiah building the wall. This would this would be um, I suppose during the exile. And he says, uh, and the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy. And say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. You know, it's interesting because uh, you can you can go to the book section at Walmart and they've got people on there with uh, with you know their their shiny plastic smiles that that have these prophecies out of their own heart that they want to tell you. It's like be the best you, you know, and like your best life ever. And, and all that stuff, and I'm sure he's a nice guy and all, but um, you know, I don't, you've probably heard the phrase "the road to hell is paved with good intentions," and and it's interesting because there's a lot of people who talk about the Word of God, people who go into the ministry, they go to Bible school and get decent grades so that they can work at a church because they genuinely would like to help people. And and so they have good intentions, but if God hasn't called them, if God hasn't given them something to to put forth there, then uh, it, it's really just this prophesying out of their own hearts, yeah. following their own spirit, having seen nothing. And um, you know, every every time I go to the old folks' home, I always tell them, you know, if if you've come here to hear what I have to say, then I am sorry. <laughs> 
you know, I, I, you of all men are most miserable. But, uh, you know, what we've come here for is to get something from God and to hear what it is He has to say. So, um, you know, to, to listen to someone having followed their own spirit, having seen nothing, then, then you're kind of, you'd be forced to make it up as you went along, wouldn't you? And uh, uh, I'm sure you're, when you were a kid you played some kind of imaginary type game. You know, some sort of like role-playing type thing, and you, there was always that one kid that made everything up as they went. And, you know, you would you would uh, you know, impale them with your imaginary sword and be like, "Nope, nope, I got a shield." Like, I healed myself. You know, all that stuff. Like, I'm invincible, and like, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> so there, there's nothing more aggravating than trying to deal with somebody who makes up the rules as they go. So, uh, I didn't have an older brother growing up, so I, I can only imagine how aggravating it would be. I heard that. <laughs> Although it probably would have been fun to bend the older brother, make up the rules. You, you didn't get to make up the rules? Well, that's because Heidi is the alpha. <laughs> One of the best things that ever happened was when she like started pushing Jeff and John's buttons, and and until they're they're having one of those arguments like they have, and she just looks over at everybody else and she's like, "I do this on purpose." (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm I missed out. I'm really glad that my kids have siblings so they get to have these experiences. Growing up an only child is really, really dull. So, anyway, uh, chapter or verse four. Uh, oh, Israel, thy prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You know, and uh, the word deserts doesn't really mean deserts the way we would think of them. It means ruins or desolation, which I suppose is a desert. It's about about as desolate as it gets. It says, you have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. So that's what Nehemiah was doing in his day. They were building the wall. They were they were filling up the breaches. But you know, if you're in a battle and you have a, a breach in the wall, and that's what this word gaps is, if you have a, a breach in the wall, then you have a place where the enemy can come in. And so, uh, you know, you could do one of two things with that. You could, you know, throw down your sword and run away. Or you could figure out, that's okay, somebody else will take care of it. Or you could go over there and and stand in the breach and, and keep everybody out or die trying. And, and the church is really, you know, here's my mirror, you know, like you know, uh, the church and Greg have really lost that idea of, I'm going to get in the gap and and keep out the enemy or die trying. And and the the funny thing is is if somebody were to ask you, you know, can you can you be defeated? You know, if you, you go and do the things that God wants you to do, uh, can the enemy destroy you? You you would say, well, no, of course not. And then and then there's this breach in the wall. It's like, well, they, they've got sharp things <laughs> and they look mean. 
like, I don't know if I want to go over there, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here, you know. Don't, don't, don't worry that I'm picking on you. But uh, if you feel like I'm picking on you, you're in good company. Um. <laughs> uh, but, he, but he's talking to these, these, these prophets who have prophesied out of their own hearts. And he's saying, you know, there's this there's this breach in the wall, but you wouldn't go up into it. Uh, you know, Jesus said, uh, he told the people, uh, he said, the, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They do the things they tell you, but don't do what they do. You know, and so, you know, they, you know, they they worked, you know, out of the out of the the books of Moses, of course, but uh, they they didn't live. Those types of things. They didn't have this this real uh, this fear of God that would say, "I can't just talk about it; I have to do it." So, so here he's talking about these these people who the children of Israel would look to for for uh, direction, you know, for guidance, and uh, and uh, and they don't go into the gaps. So they've uh, they've not made up the hedge. What, you know, which is kind of the same thing, you know. This, this, you know, because if you're going to make up the hedge, not only are you going to go uh, uh, breach the gap uh, or you know stand in that in that breach, but you're going to build the wall back up and 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 close off this this place where where the enemy is is coming in, and that's what Nehemiah understood. Is like our the wall is in pieces everywhere, and we have to do something about it, and. Uh, you know, in our society, in our age, you know, the idea of a city with walls is, is kind of like what? It's like you know, you you don't need walls. Well, maybe you do, but uh, we don't have walled cities anymore. But if you have people that want to uh, to come in and you don't want them in there, then you need a wall to keep them out. Which I think you know, Trump understands that. I'm not much into politics, but uh, yeah, it, you know, it kills me to think that uh, you know people that are here illegally have to be you know, treated with with the, all the same rights and and stuff that uh, that citizens are born with. It's like, but would they be a criminal? Would aren't they like here illegally from another country? So, anyway, that, that's all together. Something else. So he says, you've not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, the Lord saith, and the Lord has not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. I was reading this in bed last night, and I wanted to make a note, but my Bible was downstairs. And I was like, oh, well, dang it. But I'm trying to remember exactly what it said, that the young's kind of makes this a little more clear. It basically says something along the lines of uh, that, that everyone else is, is looking for this thing to come to pass. They're, they're creating this expectation that this is going to happen. Uh, and some of the other translations uh, kind of put it in as that these, these uh, prophets that are prophesying these things 
are expecting God to honor what they said. You know, and uh, but he but he's not sent them. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Verse uh, six. So, uh, you know, of course, when you're when you're working in concert with God, He does honor the things that you would step out there and do and say, like like the spies at Jericho. And uh, you know, but here uh, they're uh, they're telling God's people the the very opposite of the things that they need to hear. You know, and so. Uh, there, you know, everyone loves to have a really good message. Everybody loves to get like good news. Um, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know of anybody who likes uh, to have a an unpleasant surprise. <laughs> I mean, I don't really like pleasant surprises all that much either because I don't like to be surprised. But um, so, if you're thinking of throwing me a surprise party, please don't. But um, plus, it's hard to catch me off guard. It's you know, my birthday is kind of an obvious day. But um, but nobody likes to hear something unpleasant. Everybody's like, you know, and and that's uh, and that's what these these prophets are working with. It's so much easier to believe what you would like to believe rather than believe what is real. And uh, you know, sometimes the truth is is a is a bitter pill, especially if you are uh, if God is wanting to talk to you about something that needs to change. That's that's never fun. That's never pleasant to hear. But uh, the great thing is, is when you do hear it and you do let God work with you on it and change the stuff, you're so glad that you listened to it. I mean, you've had uncomfortable conversations with people that you you know. You were gnawing on your guts about talking to them, and then you finally did, and you were like, oh, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it would be, and I'm so glad we did, and life is so much better now, and, and all that. And and so uh, hearing the you know the things that we need to hear is a really important thing, uh, because these, these prophets are like the, it's like when you go to church and they tell you that, well, you know, we're not going to be here when things get rough, or, uh, you know, uh, you know, I... Uh, well, you, you can't say that you're sick because if you if you say that you're sick, then then there's nothing God can do for you. We actually talked to some guy, uh, Mike and I. We were at this meeting, and this guy's like, he's like, you can't say stuff like that. You got to be really careful. If you confess that you're sick, then God can't heal you. It's like, are you listening to the words coming out of your mouth? Like God can't heal me. It's like okay. It's like, what, what God are we talking about here? <laughs> you know? Um, so he says in verse 7, Have you not seen a vain vision? Have you not spoken lying divination? Whereas you say, the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. Nobody likes to have people say that you said something that you didn't say. Unless it's really smart. Or... <laughs> Like yeah, that that was totally my idea. Yeah, I did say that. Blink, blink. No, but uh, 
I don't know. It's it, you know, spend some time around some kids. Like, well, he said that I did not. Nuh-uh. You know, it's a shame when you get old enough that you outgrew using the word nuh-uh. I suppose you would spell that N-U-H-U-H, but I don't know. So if you have a different spelling, I'd love to talk to you about it. Anyway. So he says that, that you guys are saying the Lord says this, and, but I didn't say that. And... Um, there are all kinds of doctrines out there that that's exactly what it is. It's like, you know, here's what God's telling you. It's like, you know, if, if you confess that uh, that you have a Mercedes and you live in a gated community in a $400,000 house, then it shall come to pass. And God says, uh, no. Not so much. You know, try that sometime and see what happens. You know, it's, like, it's like, I have a million dollars. You're going to stand there for a really long time before you realize this is not going to happen. So, he says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. So, these guys, you know, one would think at least some of them. Or like these guys that I talked about before, that that they went into this ministry with good intention because they wanted to help people. Like there's plenty of people in the ministry that probably should have been policemen or or social workers or doctors or or something else. You know, I, I think I talked about that last week. Uh, you know, about you know going through some really tough stuff and thinking how cool would that be to have a job where you help people when they're at their lowest moments. You know, and and so there's a lot to be said for that. But if if that's not something that God gives you to do in in ministry, then you don't want to do it in ministry. You want to, you know, I mean, because obviously you're going to take God with you. If you got the Spirit of God in you, He goes where you go, and that's great. Uh, but uh, um, but if He's not called you to ministry, then go be a policeman, go be a social worker, you know, go, go do something else like that. That's it's going to give you that opportunity to to touch people. Uh, so it's a really important thing. But he says, uh, he says, behold, I'm against you. So you would nobody would want God to say I'm against you. And he says, my hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies, and they shall not be in the assembly of my people. Neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel. Neither shall they enter into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord God. Excuse me. So, when I was reading this, it made me think about uh, Korah and the men of renown, because they they made this big fight with Moses. Well, we hear from God too, you know, and I would have to say that no, you don't. Because if you heard from God, you would know that Moses was the one that God chose. Uh, and so, you know, when, of course, you know, Korah had an opportunity, he and his men, to have backed down when they confronted Moses. You know, that would have been a great time to say, you know what, actually, my bad. Um, and and just back, back down. And, uh, you know, pride is a really terrible thing. It will get you into some really stupid, stupid places. 
But, of course, they, Cora and his men stuck to their guns. And, of course, you all know the story. The ground opened up and swallowed them all. When you read about how David set out the uh, uh, the Levites and ordered them by their courses, it goes way back from before David and talk, talking about their families. And it skips right over Korah. It doesn't even mention him. He's like completely, utterly removed from the, the genealogy. And uh, which, you know, for the Jews to have gone to so much trouble to, to maintain those and, and, you know, to be kind of looking for that, you know, your posterity there and everything to be completely removed is, would really be a, a, a big blot, I think. <clears throat> so he says in verse 10, uh, and this is the thing that really grabbed my attention this week because I was thinking about the wall. He says, because, even because they had seduced my people, saying peace when there was no peace, and one built up a wall, and lo, others daubed it with untempered mortar. Um, so you can build a wall, uh, they, you know, with, uh, there's a lot of uh, houses I've seen where they, they, they put these little man-made stones on the front of the house. And they're uh, uh, they're basically just concrete with like this little veneer on them, but they put them on with mortar on the back side. You can't see any of it. They call it dry stack because you can't see any of the mortar. Um, but there's still mortar holding it together. Um, when you you dig into this word a little bit, uh, I mean everywhere that you see this phrase untempered mortar, mortar is always in italics. It's not really there. It's just kind of there in the English to give you the, the sense of what, what, what it would mean. And, uh, but this word untempered means frivolous or insipid. So, so it, it's, it's meaningless. It's worthless. And uh, uh, the, uh, the Young's translates it, uh, says the others have daubed it with chalk. You know, and so chalk is a, one of the most worthless stones for building that you could imagine. I mean, you can you know take a piece of chalk and take it out on the sidewalk and just start wearing it down. It won't, doesn't take long, and it just piles up in a powder. And uh, uh, and then as soon as it rains, it's all gone. You know, my my kids used to do the greatest sidewalk chalk when we lived in in, uh, in Baldwin. We have all these pictures of them next to all their little people that they drew and all their little murals and stuff. But you have to take a picture of them because they're gone the next day. If it rains, and uh, so you know, daubing it over with chalk is an, is an interesting idea because you you know if you build a wall, and go in the kitchen later and look at the kitchen in here, and it's like that's kind of what I'm picturing like a wall because it's stone and it's really uneven and it's had something kind of smeared over it. But imagine you know you've just stacked these stones there, and then you have. Then you just you go out and you just smear this like chalky substance on it. What's going to happen when it rains? It's just going to fall over. And and it's there's really nothing holding it up. It looks great, but there's nothing holding it together. And and that's and that's what God is saying about these these prophets that are prophesying out of their own heart and just telling people what they want to hear. And you know. I'm going to pick on that church in Lawrence again, the, the the church for people who don't like church. You know, 
I, I never once saw the name of Jesus anywhere on their flyers. I never saw anything about the power of God, anything. It was, you know, hey, do you not like church? Do you think it's stuffy and lame and, and people are rude or whatever? It's like, then come here. Do what you want, you know. It's like, BYOB, you know. And it's like, this is church, you know. And... Uh, um, but you can go to a place like that and hear what you want to hear. You know, and I don't know how many times I've come in here and heard something that was not what I wanted to hear, but it was what I knew I needed to hear, and I was glad to hear it. That's the difference. Because when you understand that that hearing the discomforting things and uh, is how things get fixed. Mike and I hired a business coach, and I would have killed him if I could. <laughs> but we hired him because he told us the truth. I mean, we were we were like, you know, patting ourselves on the back when we did our little, like, intro call with him to see if we would even be a good fit for him. Like, man, well, look at us. We're pretty awesome, huh? You know, telling him all about our, our stuff. And, and he's like, you guys could not be doing this any worse. <laughs> yeah. And, uh Yeah. And Mike just put his hand over the thing. He's like, we are hiring this guy. <laughs> well, and it's it's worked out really well. And now I, mean, now, he's, now I think of him as a friend. He still gets on my nerves sometimes, but that's what are friends for. And uh, <laughs> But uh, we got a lot of benefit out of the things that he told us because he told us the truth. And we listened to it. You know, and, and that's the difference, because you can, you can have somebody tell you the truth, and if you don't hear it, it doesn't make any difference. Um, so so he talk, talks about building this wall and, and daubing it with chalk, with untempered mortar, with uh, covering, covering over this, this wall of no substance with frivolity, with, with, uh, or, or with uh, this, I like the word insipid. It's a really good word. I had to look it up because I kind of knew what it meant, but not really. And uh, it means you know, lacking flavor, lacking vigor, lacking interest, lacking... It's just lame. <laughs> you know? And uh, so he says here in verse 11, Say to them which daub it with untempered mortar that it shall fall. There shall be an overflowing shower. And ye, O great hailstones, shall fall, and a stormy wind shall rend it. I think if you've ever been in a house that felt like it was going to fly apart in the wind, but it is disconcerting. You know, when, when we lived in Baldwin, uh, there was, I don't know, something about just the way our house would sit whenever there was like those really strong summer storms would come through. Uh, We'd be laying in bed at night, and there was a downspout right outside the corner, like right behind my nightstand. And that thing would vibrate in the wind. And you could actually hear the floor. You could feel the floor start shaking a little bit when the wind would really, really gust hard. And I'm thinking, I hope this doesn't come apart. And and now my house, like the floors are all a little splashy and bouncy, and I have kids that jump off of everything. And I think, man, I hope this house is still here tomorrow. At least now, there are houses really close to me on either side. If it does fall over, it'll just fall on them and stop, I hope. But, 
we're trying to get our this problem fixed in the second floor because I'm afraid the second floor is going to become the first floor. And uh, I don't know. You know, I, I like rambly floors in an old house. It's kind of cool. Like, if you've ever been to Bobby and Heidi's, like, you walk around upstairs, and they've got carpet everywhere, but, like, the floors are all up and down. It's kind of fun, you know? They're just creaky, and it's like, oh, this is really cool. It's kind of rambly because it doesn't feel like it's going to fall apart. You know, then at my house, you go upstairs and you, you go to Jeremy's room and you feel like you're going back down the stairs. You know, it's like you are walking downhill into this hole. It's it's really disconcerting. But uh, um, but to have it built right really makes a big difference. You know, and I mean, obviously, you know, back in, in the day, those houses were built to last. And then somebody did this big remodel to this house and clearly didn't know what they were doing. Um, but uh, anyway, so he talks here about this wall falling over in a fierce wind with rain and, and wind, you know, and you, you don't want to have a, you don't want to be relying on a wall that can be blown over in a stiff breeze, uh, especially not Kansas. So he says, uh, and lo, when the wall is fallen, verse 12. Shall it not be said to you, where is the daubing wherewith you have daubed it? Nobody likes to do a job and have it not turn out right and then have people ask you, well, didn't you do this? Didn't you do that? Did you do this right? Well, where was the this and that and the other thing? <sighs> okay. No, no, nobody likes that. And so, uh, but you know, in, in Corinthians, he talks about, Paul talked about building with uh, with gold and precious stones. And he talked about building with hay, wood, and stubble. I mean, we're talking about building with stones here, but it's the same thing. You know, if, you're, if you build with hay, wood, and stubble, uh, I mean, the big bad wolf blew the house made with straw over. You know, and, and it didn't last. So, uh, this, uh, this idea of, of truth being the thing that that keeps the wall together, and the and the ministry that is called by God, uh, leading the troops, as it were, to to bridge the gaps, to to make up the breaches in the wall, and and to rebuild it, is a really important thing. And he, so he says again, "Lo, when the wall is fallen, shall it not be said to you, Where is the daubing wherewith you've daubed it?" Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will even rend it with a stormy wind in my fury, and there shall be an overflowing shower in mine anger, and great hailstones in my fury to consume it. Excuse me. So I will break down the wall that you have daubed with untempered mortar, and bring it down to the ground so that the foundation thereof shall be discovered, and it shall fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst thereof, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall. And upon them that have daubed it with untempered mortar, and will say to you, The wall is no more, neither they that daubed it, to wit, the prophets of Israel, which prophesy concerning Jerusalem, and which see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, saith the Lord God. So, what I like about that passage is he talks about, I'm going to get rid of this, this wall that's no good, and expose the foundation. You know, and In that same passage that I, I quoted from Corinthians, Paul said that no other foundation can anyone laid and that which was already laid which is Jesus Christ so you start there and you get rid of this 
these uh, these prophets, which which would uh, build this wall and and uh, and just of no substance and, and cover it over with with uh, uh, frivolousness, then you can start over again and you can build a real wall that uh, that has real mortar that has that the stones have been made to fit together. Uh, I had this dream years ago. I'll close with this. Um, it was actually when I was getting ready to move to Baldwin. I had this dream that I was standing in the church where Cynthia and I got married, and uh, I, we were looking at painting it and uh, inside. And uh, I'm talking to this uh, guy there in the church, and it had like the old ugly popcorn ceilings in it. Uh, at least in the dream, I don't think it did in real life. But uh, so in the dream, we we were getting it wet, cleaning it off, because that's really all you have to do. And and what was beneath it was stone. But but the the stones had uh, a really unusual amount of mortar in between them. It was actually appeared to be more mortar than stone. And I thought, well, that's really odd. And uh, uh, I got, actually got to talk to Ron about that, and he's like, "Well, that's the thing." He's like, "You know, the the beauty of of the temple of God, the beauty of the wall, is not in the stones. It's in it's in that that unity. It's in that mortar that holds the stones together. You know? And so, if you don't have that, obviously they won't stay together. They'll just fall right over. Because and you can stack them all up, and you can uh, cover them over with the chalk." paste stuff, but it won't hold up. So um, so truth is a precious thing. And so that's what God is, has put in, in you and me uh, to, to have a foundation to build the wall from, to really build a real wall that, that will uh, do the things that God had intended for it to do to keep God's children safe. And uh, so he may ask you to go and fight in the in a breach somewhere, and uh, and that's okay. It's disconcerting though it may be, but uh, when you have his heart and you're thinking about, you know, I, I'm defending my city, like I'm defending my home, you know, then then going and fighting in that breach is really not a big deal. It's like where else would I rather be? What else would I do? Um, you know, that's that's why uh, that's why we sent our troops overseas in World War II because we didn't want the fight coming here. Right. So, Jesus, we thank you uh, for your word to us, and, and we just pray that uh, we would be those people that would build the wall, uh, just like uh, in, in Nehemiah's day where they they had their swords with them while they labored, and, and they were ready to to fight, and that's what they told them. Let's let's be valiant. For, for our God and for our, our city and for our women and our children. God, we just pray that you would uh, put in us that kind of heart, God, to to uh, build up the wall, to to make up the, the hedges, to stand in the gaps, God, and to do exactly what you would have us to do. God, to, to be patient, Lord, to, to build with, uh, with tempered mortar, God, to, to really put the stones together right. Uh, God, and to not uh, not cover over a lack of substance with with something pretty. You know, we pray, Jesus, that we would uh, just look to you 
as the author and the finisher of our faith, God, that you would get these things done in us, God, and that we would be those uh, those people that work with you on the project and, and do exactly what you would have us to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.